Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope, that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Grab your notes out. We're going to jump right in to the message today, and I cannot wait. We're starting a brand new collection of talks called, Will You Come to Church With Me? Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, hey, thanks for coming to church with me. They're already here. They're already here. You did it. You answered the question. It's great. <laughs> but as you're getting your notes out, as you get your pens ready, I want you to write down, I left you a little space next to the title of these these talks that we're going into, I want you to write down just next to will you come to church with me, I want you to write down this, a question I should always be asking, a question I should always be asking. Now before I lose you, before we jump into the message, I want you to know that church is not the thing that saves people, Uh, church is not the thing that people only need, but we know that church is a place where they can experience God in a real way. Because God is the one that can change their life. God is the one that they need. We say it this way, we can never force someone to fall in love with God or to fall in love with Jesus. But Sunday mornings at church, we can make it one awesome date where if they keep coming, they'll fall in love with Jesus, they'll experience God, and it will be a real thing in their life. See, the thing is, is our faith is not just about Sundays and it's not just for us. Today, the title of the message is this. It's that found people find people. Found people find people. I'm going to have you do this a lot today, so just get ready. If it's not your thing, just take a deep breath and get ready. Turn to the person next to you. Tell them, hey, you're not lost anymore. You're not lost anymore because found people find people. At one point, we were lost. At one point, we were a little broken. We were a little messed up. We were lost in our own things. But because of that moment where we experienced Jesus and we called on his name to step into our life, we became found. And listen, if it's your first time in church today or you're just getting back into church, feel no pressure from us. We just want to encourage you today, Jesus is real and you can be found today. And we would ask you just to open your hearts and lean into the things that we're talking about. Because we know in life, we don't look that great trying to figure out things on our own, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever been lost before. You look terrible when you're lost, right? You ever walk into a place you've never been before? You ever walk into a room or a party, maybe you don't know anyone, or a new building you've never been? It's always funny, I find myself doing the same thing. I walk in and if I'm lost, I kind of like, you know, like look up, you know, like, where, where is this place? Like, do I recognize anything? When I, get to a, when I get to a big group of people, do I know anyone here? Like standing up, trying to look and see if I see the familiar faces. We just look goofy when we're lost, right? There's things in life that we just don't look good at when they capture us. You guys ever been to Target before? Okay, yeah, we just went, we go to Target all the time. It's like an amusement park for our son, Shepard. He loves going. It's amazing too, because he understands that, that we've taught him that the toys live on the shelf and that we can't take them from their home. And so he always puts them back, which is very great. Just a free, free parenting tip for you at some point. But you know the little things when you go to check out at Target, especially at the self-checkout kiosk, those cameras that are right there? 
Have you ever looked up at that and caught what you look like in that thing? You look horrible. It's just a horrible angle, right? Because you're trying to go to Target and you're probably not getting the makeup on or looking good or anything. You're like, oh, is that what I look like? Why did no one tell me? Come on. It's like the face you make right before you sneeze. No one looks good, all right? No, just remember that. No one looks good in those moments. So, and the thing is that when we're trying to figure out life on our own, we're trying to find our own way, we look pretty bad because we mess ourselves up. We mess people up around us. And today, the one thing I want to encourage you is if, if you're here in this place and you believe in Jesus, you're found. If you're here after a long time, coming to church for the first time or after a long time, you have the opportunity to be found today. And when we walk out those doors, our simple thing is that we find other people. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Because here's what Jesus has done in our life. Galatians chapter two, verse 20, it says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. What an amazing song today that we sang, how Jesus is our champion. It's not us who conquered everything, it's Jesus, and he brought us along the way. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, underline this for me, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not enough just to realize that Jesus loved you. The next step is to realize that he gave his life for you to make us found, to make us forgiven and set free. This verse reminds me today that knowing Jesus changes everything. I want you to write that down today. Knowing Jesus changes everything. It's not it's not knowing a religion, it's not knowing a practice, it's not even knowing people in this room, it's knowing Jesus that changes everything. Because he is the one who will never turn his back on us, he is the one who will always be there for us, and he is not a God who stands at a distance, he is a God who visited earth here for 30 some years to show us what it would be like to walk the earth and to give us the embodiment of the love of God in front of us so that we could have a relationship with him because knowing him changes everything. If you've experienced that in your life, come on, give me a good amen and clap your hands today. And here's the challenge this morning. We know this has changed our life. Knowing Jesus changes everything. Before we pray and jump into the heart of it, I want you to read this verse to you. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 14, it says this, but how can they call on him, him meaning Jesus, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Will you underline that phrase? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And now it personalizes to us, how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Just a couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we're bringing good news. This verse tells us, how will people know to go if they're not sent? I wanna let you know today, we are sent. It even gives a kind of a weird compliment that we have beautiful feet as well, which is great. Uh, that's probably weird, but who knows? But we are sent, we have a calling, we have a purpose. And it's to people. It's to God and to people. It's to love Jesus and to love those around us. So I want you to lean in today to this idea of will you come to church with me? Because it's here where someone can meet Jesus. It's an in your personal influence in their life. Someone can know Jesus and that can change everything. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? God, I'm so thankful for everybody here. I'm so thankful for your son Jesus who has changed things in our life, who has been there and helped us when we so desperately need it. 
So God, today I pray that we would hold on to that phrase that found people find people. We would always remember we're not lost anymore, we're found. And God, today I pray that we would write things down. We would follow along in our Bible or our YouVersion app and really hear you speak to us. And I pray today, God, as we have this message that you would put faces on our hearts today to ask that question this week because it's that important and it's that powerful. God, we're thankful that you came to us and we're gonna do whatever it takes to tell people the good news. We love you. God, be with our kids right across the street over there in their kids' room. I pray that you would just fill that place with your joy and your excitement and the presence of your son, Jesus. And God, we're excited to be in church today. And God, I'm praying for it every other week here, but I'm gonna keep it going because it keeps happening. Thank you, Lord, that the lightning are still playing some incredible hockey this season. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Come on, let's clap our hands to that. And all the stuff I prayed about too, because that's pretty important as well. <laughs> I really wanna lean into uh, a word today that I think is really powerful. Uh, it's on our walls all over the place, and it's our vision statement. I want you to write it down just in case you never heard this today. The mission of local church is to bring hope local. We've put it on every shirt we've ever made. <laughs> it's on the big sign over here. It's on our cards because it is our mission statement. To bring hope local. And we know that hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. And so what we're really doing is bringing the life-saving, life-changing presence of Jesus to our city and to our jobs, to our families, to our neighborhoods, wherever we can go. Because our mission statement is to bring hope local. It doesn't happen by accident. It's why we raise money to purchase that truck that's outside. And we can't wait to wrap it with our logo and it's going to drive around the city and it's literally going to say on it, there is always hope. Because people need to know that. Because hope is not based on circumstances. Hope is based on Jesus, and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what about that word bring? Now, what does this mean? It is a call to action for us, and we experience people bringing us stuff all the time. Last night, one of my favorite things to use this idea of bring is ordering on Uber Eats, and someone brings the food right to my door, and I can open up, and there it is, don't have to go anywhere. I signed up for like the free trial where there's no delivery fees for a month. I gotta make sure I cancel it before they charge me the monthly subscription. Who's with me on that? You know, you know you do that. You know you do that. And you know you forget and you're like, ah, oh, they charged me a month. I guess I'll just keep it now, right? But, but that's nice, right? We love the fact that we can be brought gifts and packages from Amazon. I mean, there's some people out there. Now, I just check when it's gonna be delivered. There's the crazies out there who like follow the Amazon truck like on the GPS the whole way that it's bringing them to their house. I gotta make sure they put it on my back door because you know sometimes people like to think those Amazon packages are free and take them and I never keep my ring camera charged so I'm never gonna catch them if they take my stuff, right? But also it comes into our hospitality as a person. Think about this idea, same statement from a different type of person. I'll tell you which one I am after I explain it. But you think about this, hey, I'm having a party, come hang over, uh, come hang out, I'm having some people over, come hang out. Two types of people in this world. There's the person that responds, oh, awesome. Can I bring anything? Oh, no, just come. Second type of person, hey, I'm having a party, I'm having a get-together, come over. Oh, awesome. Do I have to bring anything? Do I have to bring anything over? That's me, all right, that's me, right? Like we got two types of people, super hospitality, and people are like, I'm just gonna come, make sure everything's there for me, all right? What I wanna talk about today is that when it comes to 
bringing hope local, when it comes to inviting people to a place where they can experience Jesus, we gotta be the first person. Can I bring anything? What can I do? What can I do? How can I make a difference? And I wanna talk about someone in the Bible that I don't know if we've ever heard a message given about this guy, but as I was preparing for this message, stumbled upon that this guy was consistently doing this. And I want you to write this down. The disciple remembered as the one who simply brought people to Jesus was Andrew. Guy by the name of Andrew in the Bible. And we're gonna see in three instances where he simply brought people to Jesus and that's kind of the only thing that he's cataloged as doing. But it was a lot. It made a difference in people's lives. It led to incredible miracles and it paved the way for the message and the good news of Jesus to go to different people groups that other people kept at an arm's distance. Look at this in John chapter one, starting in verse 35. It says this, the following day John the Baptist was again standing with two of his disciples As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Two disciples following John the Baptist. Jesus walks by. John the Baptist says, look, there's the Lamb of God. That's who we've been waiting for. Let's jump to verse 40. Here's what happens. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then follow Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Verse 42. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but now you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. I'm just gonna use Peter from now on, not Cephas, because Peter sounds better, all right? Now look at this story, though. So Andrew was a guy who was following a person by the name of John the Baptist. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what's going on in the book of John, so there's a couple Johns, there's a couple Johns here, and they're not the same person, okay? So the Gospel John was written by the disciple John, and there was this other guy that came before Jesus called John the Baptist, and he had one job. His job was simply to prepare the way for Jesus, to let people know that, hey, the Son of God is coming to earth, and it's going to be pretty amazing, and so what happened was he began to have disciples start to follow him because they, they were like, okay, well, this guy's talking about God. He's doing amazing things. He lives out in the woods, which is pretty cool. He's baptizing hundreds of people every day, so we're going to follow him. But when the moment that Jesus comes into the, the story, John the Baptist says, okay, it's not about me anymore. It's about him. And so Andrew notices that and begins to follow Jesus. But the first thing Andrew does, I love this, Andrew first went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. Isn't it amazing? The first thing Andrew did was to go and find someone he knew needed to hear this message. Now, if you know anything about Peter, we've talked about him a lot because he is one of my favorite disciples, but he was one of the older disciples. He had been seasoned in life a little bit obviously had walked through life where he had been rejected and told he wasn't good enough for certain things and he had to take up the family trade of fishing and he wasn't very good at that. And so Andrew knew that his older brother Peter needed to hear this message because he was lost, because he had been rejected before. And I love what he goes to tell Peter. He says, hey, we found the one that we've been looking for. We found the Messiah, which means Christ. Now, every young Jewish guy at this time was raised knowing that the Messiah was eventually coming. 
that the Son of God was coming to earth to save and redeem and restore his people back into relationship with God. They had some mixed up views. They thought he was going to come and conquer the Roman Empire, which was not what he was going to do. But he was conquering a much more important empire, the empire of sin and death here on this earth. And what began to happen was that guys were waiting for this. They were waiting for the Messiah to show up. And Andrew goes and tells Peter, hey, Peter, it's happening. We're ready to go. It's like that, you know, maybe that movie you're waiting to come out when we can go back to theaters again or when you're waiting for that product to become available or tickets to go on sale. It's like, hey, what you've been waiting for, it's here. That's what Andrew was doing. He was running to tell Peter this amazing news that he had witnessed himself. I love that he said, we've found the Messiah, which means Christ. Super short, super simple, super personal. And what, what happens because of Andrew's invitation? What happens because Andrew simply brings Peter to Jesus is the last line of this verse. Jesus, looking intently at Simon, says, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Peter. He immediately changes his identity. He changes his name. He speaks to him as who Jesus sees him to be, not as who people see him to be. He realizes now that he has purpose and meaning because the Son of God literally just called him out of nothing into the most amazing thing he could ever step into, building the church and following Jesus here on this earth. In one moment, what Andrew didn't have to worry about was doing any of that. He just had to make sure his brother was close to Jesus. He had to make sure he, would, he could do whatever it takes to bring his brother closer to Jesus. Why is this so important, everybody? Why is it so important to bring people to Jesus? Write this down for me. It's so important because just like we see in Peter's story, lives are changed and hope is found simply because we bring people to a place where they can experience Jesus. I'm so glad someone did that for me. I'm so glad someone did that for you. Jesus is constantly drawing people to himself. See, it's one of those things that we're coming out of a year where statistics of loneliness and isolation are off the charts. But what is still true to this day, and it's been true for a long time, is that one in three people, let's even say one to four to make it, you know, a little bit maybe more accurate to what the study is. It's like one to three and a half. But one to three to four people would say yes to coming to church if, this is an important part, if a friend invited them. Because they know that if it's a friend inviting them, they can trust it because they've already trusted you in their, in, as their relationship of a friend. If we invite them with passion, not like, hey, come to church, not that, uh, you can laugh at that. I mean, that was kind of good. <laughs> that was kind of in, in your face, but we don't have to do that. We invite them with passion of, hey, you know, I've been going to this church, and I don't know, it's just different. I feel something on Sundays, and I'm, I can't explain it. I write things down, and, and when they pray, I feel like my prayers are being answered. I started serving, and I just feel more fulfilled than I've ever felt before. And it just feels amazing to be a part of something bigger than myself. And the one thing I need to do is invite you into this. When you share that, no one's going to say no to that. And here's the thing, when they begin to see a true difference in you, maybe someone who used to be very pessimistic now begins to speak life and optimism to situations. Maybe the relationships around you were, were torn up and broken. Maybe you were an angry, bitter person. And now you see things begin to change. You're more patient. You care for people. Your relationships are being healed. People notice that. And people want that. 
I really want you to understand that people want what we're talking about. One of the most amazing things, at the beginning of the year, we were having a meeting with some of our core team about the direction of the church and praying for where we're going. And man, I wish I would have this on the slide, but it kind of just reminded me right now in this moment. Uh, they, they said this statement during one of our brainstorming meetings where they said, the church offers for free what the world charges you for. Like the church offers for free forgiveness and community and relationship and purpose and being a part of something bigger than yourself. And there's no charge for it. It's completely free to step into this. All those other things, yeah, you may find them out in the world, but they're going to charge you. Because they're going to hurt you eventually. They're going to let you down. It may even cost you something. But the thing is that the church, it's free for all of us to simply come and know Jesus. All of us can have our lives changed. All of us can have hope found. That's what happened in Peter's life. Simply because Andrew said, you know what? We've been waiting for this moment. And I've been waiting for this moment a long time. But I can't experience it alone. i got to go get somebody. You know what great memories are based on? When you can share that memory and moment with someone. Like, when, if, I mean, again, I, I like being by myself. I enjoy that. I do. But I can't go to someone when I've experienced something by myself and say, hey, you remember that one time? No, it was just you. So I can't remember it. It's experiencing things together that has true power. It's experiencing things together that we can say, you remember that one time? Yes, I do. I remember that time. It was awesome to witness that and be a part of it. That's what it's about. See, the thing is, is to really understand that if this wasn't important, it wouldn't be in this gospel. If it wasn't important to invite people to experience Jesus, if it wasn't important to go out and bring the lost into a place where they can be found, this verse would not be in there. The Bible tells us every word, every piece of scripture is God-inspired and God-breathed and important to pay attention to. So this one little line that says Andrew went out and brought his brother Peter to Jesus is important for us to remember. I want you to know today, maybe you're here today because someone invited you or you saw something on Instagram or you saw a sign. I promise you that was the tool Jesus was using to bring you here today so you can know that he is for you, he's with you, he wants to have a relationship with you, he wants to see your life changed, he wants to help you find hope in your life, he wants you to know that you are a son and daughter of God and it is truly good news to know that God is with us, God is for us, and God is here in this place. So what I would pray today is that we begin to have those eyes that simply, man, look for the lost. Let's keep going though. In John chapter six, we see another story. I've shared about this story a lot, but in John chapter six, here we see Andrew doing what he's good at again. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? If you can insert this verse into maybe a story you're familiar with, this is right from the story where Jesus feeds 5,000 men, but probably 10,000 plus people with just a few barley loaves and two small fish. The problem is there's thousands of people gathered around Jesus and the disciples, and they're hungry. I don't want to be around people when they're hungry, because people get angry. People are not themselves when they're hungry. you got to run from those people, all right? And what happens is the disciples tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, you know, can you like walk on water or just like snap your fingers and get us out of here because we got to go. People are going to attack us, man. They're hangry. We got to go. Andrew says, well, there's this little boy here, brings the boy to Jesus. There's this little boy here. Here's what he has, and maybe this can make a difference. See, while all the other disciples saw a problem, Andrew saw a person. Andrew saw people. 
It's very important for us that we look at the people in our lives, especially in our friends and family circles, as not as problems, not as projects, but as actual people. When you begin to look at people in your circle and in your path as people, not projects or problems or just pathways to get through to the other thing that you're trying to do, when you begin to see them as people, you begin to see them the way Jesus does. You begin to see them as sons and daughters of God, which is who they really are. You don't just walk by the person who has their head, the cashier who has their head down, who seems like they've had the worst day ever. You tell them, hey, you're doing a great job. Have a great day. Can I pray for you? You don't just get the text from someone that says, I don't know what to do anymore. Uh, you know, my, 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 my relationship with my husband or wife, or I just feel so alone, it's going crazy. You don't say, oh, that stinks. And you say, hey, let me call you right now. Let's pray together. Let's work on this. Let me invite you into a place where you can find community and find healing. We don't shy away from the question of people say, hey, what's different about you? It's not that you got healthier. It's not that you're doing new things. It's that you're plugged into a life-giving community that is centered around Jesus, that is changing everything, and you see people as people now, not problems or projects. And that's exactly what Andrew did. And his bringing this little boy to Jesus led to one of the most famous miracles in the entire Gospels. The fact that Jesus fed 5,000 people, because here's the thing, Jesus loves to provide for people. But Jesus uses what we give him to provide to people. Jesus could have fed them with dirt and turned it into bread. Jesus probably could have said, hey, let there be fish, and there would have been one in his hand. But why God works so great with us is because it requires that human element to place something in God's hands. Because God is not one of control. God is not a forceful God. He uses what we place in his hands. He, used the pe- he uses the people that we bring to move and do amazing things. See, what we see here in this story is that when we bring people to Jesus, miracles happen and movements start. The miracle was that 5,000 people were fed. The movement was the fact that 5,000 people were just fed by the Son of God. And they realized this guy's different. The movement was the fact that they begin to see that maybe Jesus is who he says he is. See, I believe when you invite someone here, why do you think we pray every Sunday for things? Not because we just think it's good, because we believe miracles can happen. We've seen them happen. And I don't want that to get like weird on you, but miracles do happen. And they happen because of us when we pray. They happen because of the almighty power of God moving in us and through us. Miracles happen. We see it all through the Bible. We see it all through the story of Jesus. Again, if it wasn't important to see the power of God demonstrated through miracles, why would Jesus do a bunch of them? There's literally statements in the scriptures that don't tell us the miracle that happened, but it literally says at the beginning of chapter after chapter, people brought all the sick people, all the demon-possessed, all the broken people. They simply kept bringing them to Jesus, and he kept healing them. He kept telling them who God was. He kept making a way because that's what he does. Here's the thing, though. It says people brought people. Will you come to church with me? Will you come see Jesus with me? Because I know, man, I know where I once was. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. What I love about church is that we all have different stories. Mine is one of, of insecurity and anger and fear. Yours may be one of anxiety and depression or raised by a single parent or walked through broken relationships in your life. We're all different stories here. But every single story here can speak to somebody. And your story will speak to someone who's going through the same thing as you 
better than my story. Because there's people in your life that are just hungry for a touch from God. They just don't know it yet. And you do know why they're hungry. You do know why they feel empty on the inside. You don't, you know why they go to relationship after relationship, why they go to job after job, where they feel so defeated and destroyed every day. You know why. So don't withhold that. Bring them to a place they can experience Jesus. What I love about Andrew is he's like, okay, Jesus, this little dude's only got some bread and fish. There's a lot of people here. What was the question? I don't know how this is going to work for so many people. Andrew knew that it wasn't his job to save people. Andrew knew there was nothing he could say or do in that moment to feed all these people. But he knew he had access to a guy that he'd seen raise people from the dead. He knew he had access to a guy that had made blind people see, that talked like he had authority from heaven here on earth. So I know that Andrew probably thought to himself, I know this little guy's only got a little bit, but I've seen Jesus do a lot more with a lot less. So if I can just get him into the presence of Jesus, let's see what happens. And what happens is miracles and movements start. We talk about this all the time. I don't want the movement of local church to start just because of practical things like, you know, good, you know, like aesthetic look that we have or our designs or even other things. I want it to be because, man, on Sundays when we're together, a movement happens where we experience God and we take that into our Mondays through Saturdays and we realize that, yes, God is real. I felt him. I've experienced him in my life. If you come here, you're going to have a moment with God. It's going to be real. It's going to change your life. It's going to be impacting. It's going to impact you. I want the movement that our church starts to be one all about the life-saving message of Jesus and what he's done in our lives. So what do you do now? Well, if you're here today and it's your first time in church in a while, man, we hope someone brought you here. We know someone brought you here. Whether they literally dragged you here or you came because you saw a post or an invite card, God brought you here to experience Jesus today. We pray for miracles and hope and a movement in your life of healing and restoration. For those of us who have surrendered our life to Jesus, here's some things I want to give you. We're just going to follow Andrew's little formula. Andrew's formula to bring people to Jesus is four different things. Andrew's formula to follow is number one, speak. Number two, simple. Number three is sure. And number four is surrendered. Let me walk through these things for you. The first thing is speak. In John chapter 1, verse 42, It says the first thing Andrew did was go and find Peter. He didn't run, this is important, he didn't just run to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I'm Andrew. Hey, uh, I've been waiting a long time for you, and here's all the things I need from you. His first reaction was, okay, that's all going to happen. I'm going to get time with him, but I don't want, I got to bring people with me. So the first thing he did was seek out his brother and speak to him about who he had found. The second thing was he kept it simple. He didn't try and explain to his brother who this guy was. All he said was, we found who we've been waiting for. We found who we've been looking for. Can I tell you today, it's very simple. To invite someone to church is again to speak from your story. To keep it simple to know I was like this, now I'm like this, and I'm found who I've been looking for. It wasn't a what, it was a who. And I want you to know that today. We have to speak it out and keep it simple. Keep it simple. Hey, we found what we're looking for. 
I was an advertising major for like six months <laughs> at Florida State. And there was an acronym they used called KISS, and it was Keep It Simple Stupid, all right? Like, don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate what Jesus has done in your life. It's simple. I was this, now I'm this. But the th third thing is you got to be sure of it. you got to realize that it actually has happened, that, that Jesus really has stepped into our life and forgiven us and set us free and made us whole again. The enemy is always going to try to get you to doubt and be less sure of what Jesus has done in your life. One of the last things Jesus said on the cross was, it is finished. So if that's what Jesus said, we can be sure that everything that needed to be done, every sin and mistake and problem that needed to be dealt with was dealt with on the cross. And it is finished, I'm sure of it. It was paid for on the cross when Jesus stretched out his arms like this. I'm sure of it, I'm confident of it. I'm not confident of a lot of things, especially in me. But I'm sure of who Jesus is. And I believe what he said and I believe what he did on this earth. I'm sure of it. I want you to have that confidence too. But the fourth thing is this, is to surrender it to Jesus. I don't, I, maybe you're saying, I, I mean, I want to invite people, but what do I do when they ask me a question? I don't know. Answer it or say you don't know. But you don't have to, that's not the point. It's the surrendering. Andrew didn't know. Jesus, what are you gonna do with this fish and these bread things? Like, I, there's a lot of people. If I get to Jesus, all right. People may ask you questions. Oh, what do they believe about this, huh? Maybe theological things you've never even heard of. And it's okay, people like to talk about that stuff. <laughs> but you just say, you know what, just come. Just come and see. Just come and see for yourself. Give it a chance. You know me, you know, come on, you can trust me. What I love about our church is you know, you bring people in here that are your friends and family. I could do anything weird because <laughs> that's not God. That's not weird. But He has something that's awe inspiring and incredible and powerful. So we just surrender ourselves to Him. I'll give you those four things today. When you leave, speak about it, keep it simple, be sure of it, and surrender the result to God. Remember that verse in Romans chapter 10? It says, How can people know unless we tell them? It doesn't say, How can people be saved unless we save them? It's not what it says, because that's Jesus' job, and he is more than capable of doing that. Our job is to bring. Our job is to invite. Our job is to be like Andrew. Man, who can I, who can I bring? Who can I invite? Again, it's not a numbers thing, but it is, because we believe wholeheartedly that this life ends at some point. If there's probably one thing we're more accepting of, it's that life is going to end, especially after what we've walked through this last year. What happens after we, our life ends is that we, we spend eternity with God or apart from God. The stakes are too high for me to worry about a no. The stakes are too high for me to worry about what someone might think. Because a no or someone thinking that I'm just a guy who believes crazy stuff, that's worth it for all the ones that are going to come and have their lives changed, hope found, miracles happen, and movements start in their life and through our church. I want to close with a story today as we finish. I was just looking up stories of, of people who just do whatever it took to give back in their life. And I stumbled upon a guy in Australia by the name of James Harrison, no relation to the football player. That's him right there because he obviously does not look like a football player. Um, but this is James Harrison at his very last 
appointment to give blood. He's 81 years old, and you can't give blood after you're 81 in Australia anymore. And he's given blood as much as he possibly could every single year since he was 18 years old until 81. That's a lot of years. I should have done the math before. I think it's like 63 years. You can double check, but I think that's right. Probably not, but who knows. Uh, but the thing is, his life was changed at 14 because of a blood transfusion, because someone gave blood to him. And what's powerful is the fact that he knew his life was changed because of that, so he just wanted to give back when he could. So he's like, hey, when I was 14, I had major surgery. I needed a blood transfusion. So I'm gonna do whatever it takes to give back to that. And he just did it all the time as much as he possibly could. And what scientists begin to see in, in James Harrison's blood was that he had something very unique about it they had never seen. He had something in his blood that was exactly what they needed to solve a problem that was taking the lives of thousands of babies every single year. See, there was this thing that in his, in his body, in his blood, there was this compound, whatever you want to call it, called rhesus, not the candy. Uh, so you can not laugh at that. That's all right. Let's keep going. Uh, but what would happen is <laughs> there would be moms and babies. Moms could be rhesus negative and rhesus positive. And what would happen is if that was the case, the mom's body, her blood would literally attack the body and blood of the baby. And the baby would die or be born with complications. What they noticed about James Harrison's blood was that somehow with some sort of compound that existed in his blood, they were able to take out of his blood when he started to give plasma and realize this, they were able to make this thing called the anti-D injection for moms. And it would completely solve that problem. It would completely solve every rhesus positive, negative situation they, they, they came in contact with. And what studies have shown is that because of James Harrison's consistent just giving of blood as much as he possibly could for over 60 years, that he saved 2.4 million babies because of his life. Simply because he said, you know what? When I was 14, someone changed my life because of what they gave. And so if this is my part, I'm gonna do it as much as I possibly can. I want you to know that the blood of Jesus is in our life. It's forgiven us and set us free. So if we would just commit to simply do our part who knows the number that when we get to the end of our life, when we get to heaven, who knows the number of people that we're going to impact? It doesn't matter if it's one or a million, it's worth it. That's the reason this question is so important. That's the reason that we are called to bring people to Jesus, to live like Andrew. Because we can impact people, because we know knowing Jesus changes everything. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Thank you so much for joining us on The Local Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only He can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to local.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.